Welcome to Creative Biolabs, we offer custom contract research services and products, covering the entire process of CAR T-cell therapy development. In this brand new podcast series, we will show you everything you want to know about CAR T-therapy, including the mechanism, current applications, technology limitations, and potential strategies. Hope you will enjoy it. Hi everyone, this is your host Beth Miller, thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Dr. William Smith, the journal editor in the field of immunotherapy. Dr. William, thanks for joining us. Great to meet you again, Beth, and thanks for your nice invitation. After learning about the advances made in the production of cytomegalovirus-specific T-cells, we will turn our attention to Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells today. Then, we continue to learn about advances in the development of multivirus-specific T-cells. Why don't we start by understanding the Epstein-Barr virus? What are the symptoms of infection with this virus? That is exactly what I was thinking. The Epstein-Barr virus is a member of the human gamma herpes virus family. It is also known as human herpes virus type 4. The virus is highly prevalent in the community, with up to 90% of adults having a previous infection. Primary infection may manifest clinically as infectious mononucleosis. However, symptoms may not occur in immunocompetent individuals. After the primary infection, the virus enters a latent period to reside in B lymphocytes and or pharyngeal lymphoid tissues and is kept quiescent by the Epstein-Barr virus-specific cytotoxic T lymphocytes of the host. However, during the post-transplantation period, the Epstein-Barr virus may reactivate from its latency and cause a rapid proliferation of B cells, resulting in post-transplantation lymphoproliferative disease. This typically occurs when patients are receiving significant immunosuppressive therapy to minimize graft-versus-host disease and prevent graft rejection or when immune reconstitution is delayed. Thank for your introduction. Could you talk more about post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease caused by the Epstein-Barr virus? Sure. This disease can present with fevers, lymphadenopathy, pharyngitis, or extranodal involvement, including pulmonary complications and symptoms similar to severe sepsis. Since the doubling time of the Epstein-Barr virus is around three days and the introduction of polymerase chain reaction surveillance has allowed for the early identification of Epstein-Barr virus reactivation, rapid diagnosis is required for rapid treatment. In most cases, the post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease is thought to arise from donor-derived Epstein-Barr virus-infected B lymphocytes. Typically, it occurs within the first 6 to 12 months after transplantation and has an incidence of no more than 20% in hematopoietic cell transplantation recipients. Are there treatment strategies for the post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease? Of course. These strategies all aim to deplete B cells and restore Epstein-Barr virus-specific T cell responses. Reduction of immunosuppressants and use of the monoclonal anti-CD20 antibody rituximab have improved the mortality after post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease. However, for those patients who do not respond to this therapy, the prognosis is poor. According to a report, some researchers tested the use of unmanipulated donor lymphocyte infusions in five patients. These patients developed allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation following post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease T-cell depletion. And, all patients achieved a complete pathological or clinical response within 30 days of receiving the infusion. 
However, serious complications then occurred, including graft-versus-host disease and death from pulmonary complications. This showed that unmanipulated donor lymphocyte infusions contain alloreactive T-cells as well as Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells, thereby increasing the risk of graft-versus-host disease after infusion. Since then, another unmanipulated donor lymphocyte infusion as Epstein-Barr virus post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease therapy has also been reported to cause severe graft-versus-host disease. So, did the researchers then focus on using Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells to prevent or treat Epstein-Barr virus post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease? What kind of results did they get? Donor lymphocyte infusion therapy has disadvantages as products contain low levels of Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells. Research on T-cell therapy for Epstein-Barr virus reactivation has therefore focused on the infusion of Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells. In one of the largest studies using Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells to prevent or treat post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease, more than 100 allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation patients undergoing adoptive cellular therapy were examined. Most patients received the cells as prophylaxis after being identified as high risk for post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease. Of these, none developed this disease among patients who underwent T-cell depletion transplantation. In addition, most patients who received treatment achieved a durable remission. I see. It seems that Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells are a safe method, isn't it? You can say that. The research shows that about 15% of patients with graft-versus-host disease before infusion developed a recurrence of their post-infusion. However, no patients developed graft-versus-host disease. The estimated overall survival rate for all patients receiving Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cell therapy is approximately 70%. Importantly, a subset of patients in this study received infusions of donor-derived Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells. These T-cells were genetically marked to express a certain gene, allowing them to be tracked. Earlier studies had reported the persistence of these genetically modified T-cells. The detection in the peripheral blood of patients corresponded with increased virus-specific activity, and they also had the ability to elicit responses in patients with established Epstein-Barr virus post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease. In one study, genetically modified Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells persisted for nearly nine years post-infusion. Overall, the safety, durability, and effectiveness of Epstein-Barr virus T-cells were confirmed. If I understand correctly, these studies have shown that Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cell therapy is effective in restoring Epstein-Barr virus-specific immunity post-transplantation and, with an acceptable safety profile, appears to be superior to unmanipulated donor lymphocyte infusion therapy. So, what made researchers focus on multivirus-specific T-cell therapy? Currently, the Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cell therapy is only available in clinical trials due to manufacturing costs and the associated need for specialized manufacturing techniques. It is undeniable that the successful generation of efficacious virus-specific T-cell therapy for individual viruses is encouraging. However, at a practical level, producing different single virus-specific T-cells for infusion into the same patient would be expensive and time-consuming and expose the patient to multiple cellular products. 
Additionally, in the period of postallogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation, recipients are susceptible to multiple viruses because of delayed immune reconstitution. Therefore, many research groups are now focusing on generating multivirus-specific T-cells from a single culture to allow for the infusion of a single product. Well, up to now, is there any research to confirm this? Yeah. Actually, in one study, Triver-specific T-cells were successfully generated against the common viral pathogens cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr virus, and adenovirus. After generating Epstein-Barr virus-bearing lymphoblastoid cell lines from the donors, the researchers genetically modified the Epstein-Barr virus-transformed B cell line with a chimeric adenoviral vector incorporating the cytomegalovirus PP65 sequence. T-cells specific for Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, and adenovirus antigens were ultimately generated from a single culture. Of the 15 donor-derived CD4-positive and CD8-positive T-cell lines generated, 14 produced interferon gamma after stimulation with viral peptides from all three viruses. The remaining cell line was bispecific for cytomegalovirus and Epstein-Barr virus, but not responsive to adenovirus. After testing T-cells from patients who had undergone hematopoietic cell transplantation, it was found that T-cells expanded after infusion, accompanied by a reduction in viral levels, and did not produce graft-versus-host disease three months after infusion. This study demonstrated that cytomegalovirus-specific and Epstein-Barr virus-specific T-cells expanded within four weeks after infusion, but adenovirus-specific cells expanded only in patients with recent or active adenovirus infection. Triverus specific. That sounds amazing. What was a major initial concern regarding the generation of multivirus-specific T-cells? It is one of the immunodominant viral antigens that can compete for presentation by antigen-presenting cells to dominate the T-cell product. The initial trivirus T-cell product generated was composed mainly of cytomegalovirus-specific T-cells with much smaller proportions of Epstein-Barr virus and adenovirus-specific T-cells. Attempts were made to address this issue by depleting the cytomegalovirus component of the T-cells, thereby eradicating the possibility of competition with this antigen and generating a bispecific T-cell product directed against Epstein-Barr virus and adenovirus. Further studies showed that recipients of the T-cell product, generally considered to be at high risk of developing adenovirus infection, did not develop adenovirus infection. This implies that the T-cell product may provide a protective effect. Therefore, the peripheral blood from the recipients was examined before and after T-cell infusion and cells were expanded ex vivo. Additionally, adenovirus-specific T-cells were only detected from the post-infusion samples, indicating that these cells were present but not detected by conventional methods. As many research has been done and achievement has been made, what does the generation of Triverus-specific T-cells inspire future research? Well, I think after generating Triverus-specific T-cells, the technology was further expanded to include more viruses. For example, in one study, a multivirus T-cell was generated by stimulating peripheral blood mononuclear cells with overlapping pools containing five viruses. After the product was injected into hematopoietic cell transplantation recipients, most had established infection and the rest received the cells as a preventive measure. 
None of the patients who received the product as prophylaxis were virus-free for three months, while among those who received T-cell therapy, the response rate was 94%. The viral spectrum included in the multivirus-specific T-cell product continued to expand, and seven virus-specific cytotoxic T-lymphocytes were generated, including for respiratory syncytial virus and influenza and varicella zoster virus infection. That's all for Epstein-Barr virus-specific and multivirus-specific T-cell generation progress. These results are really encouraging, and we hope that they can go into the market and to patients in a near future. Thanks for Dr. Smith's sharing. So, I guess we will end here. And hope to see you next time. Thank you very much. See you next time.